0: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to ModPath Chat, the official podcast of modern pathology, featuring interviews with authors and experts on the latest science, technology, and developments in the field of pathology. Your host, Dr. George Netto, is the editor-in-chief of Modern Pathology and the chair of pathology at the University of Alabama at Birmingham.
1: Here's Dr. Neto. Welcome to another exciting episode of our podcast. I'm joined today by Dr. Andres Acosta, and I'm gonna refer to him as Andy based on his request, an associate attending pathologist at Brigham and Women. Andres is a urologic pathologist, which is always good to have a guest with that interest. His current research focuses on the study of mesenchymal tumors of the tract, among others. He joins us today on behalf of a distinguished group of co-authors that includes Dr. Lynette Scholl, Jesse McKinney from Cleveland Clinic, and Dr. Christopher Fletcher. Our discussion will focus on the recent, I would say somewhat provocative, modern pathology publication, aiming to reevaluate classifying prostate stromal tumors as a distinct entity. So uh, clearly, I've been diagnosing a lot of these tumors as distinct entities. So I think we're up for a nice discussion. Thank you, Andy, for accepting my invitation.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. And thanks uh, for publishing our paper in the first place. And uh, thank you very much for this invitation. Now, I'm glad to be here with you
1: it's it's a pleasure and uh like we were discussing before the podcast is is intentional uh, we want uh, some uh, rising uh, junior uh, stars to uh, to be on the podcast and uh, and uh, give uh, the opportunity to discuss uh, on behalf of all the co-authors so let's start with uh, not everybody uh, on the audience uh is is a geopathologist, so these and these are rare entities. Can you give us a little background uh, and in that uh, try to touch on, on why did you feel this thing need to have a second look? Absolutely.
0: So, these entities that we studied, which are what have been called so far prosthetic stromal sarcomas and uh, stromal sarcomas of uncertain malignant potential, which I will refer to them as PSS stump from now on because I think it's mm-hmm. easier. Um are mesenchymal tumors of the prostates that um are believed or were up to now believed to be of uh specialized prosthetic stromal origin and these are very rare. Uh, stumps are tumors that basically do not reach the threshold uh, histologically for being called prosthetic stromal sarcomas and um and they can have very different histologic appearances, and they lack any specific markers. And prosthetic stromal sarcomas are basically sarcomas that are also equally um, equally diverse in terms of their histologic appearances. And um, they can have well, sarcomas of course can have a malignant uh, a malignant behavior clinically, uh, but prosthetic um, sorry, but stumps can. Also, uh, behave erratically. Some of them are uh, very indolent, and sometimes they are just biopsy then followed, and you know, don't don't recur and or don't cause uh, any further pro- problems. And up to fifty percent of them have been reported to uh, be associated eventually with sarcoma. Either in a synchronous manner, in in a synchronous way, or uh, in a metachronous way. That is that you have a a stump first and then you get diagnosed with uh, PSS later on uh, during disease progression.
1: Perfect. Yeah, I just want for the audience, I think when you were, before you called them stump, they're they're called stromal tumors of uncertain malignant mm-hmm. potential, and I think uh, you misspoke, call them stromal sarcomas. So we have the sarcomas and the stumps, and they can coexist or one follow the other, and both are there. And and I fully agree. You know that's one thing we struggle with. We wish we have a marker that we can say, okay, this is stump and not uh, something SFT or something else. So, uh, but but people have looked at that uh, before, right, molecularly. Why and you didn't like what was done before, or you're not convinced? And
0: well, um, so one of the things that um, kind of surprised—well, not not surprised me, but um, I found quite interesting was that uh, these tumors were studied both with SNP array, FISH, and with whole exome sequencing, right? And what they found as uh, a common finding in these tumors is uh, basically loss of different chromosomes, mostly chromosomes 13 and 14. And you know, in the classic model, when you have a loss of a chromosome, you assume or you think that if that's the driver, then you probably have loss of heterozygosity of a tumor suppressor. And uh, when they did the whole exome sequencing study, they didn't—they that didn't pan out. Um, that didn't seem to be the case. So uh, that's one thing. The other thing is that loss of individual chromosomes are pretty common. Um, even if they are highly recurrent, they can happen in tumors that have other molecular drivers, right? So um, to me, it was not clear, especially given the range of appearances of these tumors um, and the lack of specific markers that they were a single thing or they were a unified biological entity, to say it somehow. Which is why um, we, I, you know, we try to give it an approach where we would optimize. Um, We would optimize the design to try to find fusions, genes fusions, which are you know quite common in this mesenchymal tumors which is why we decided to both uh in general uh, in mesenchymal tumors in general correct um and that's why we decided to both uh to do both uh dna and rna sequencing on two clinically validated platforms um to see if we could find a fusion that was common to all this these tumors or at least to see if we could um you know, prove that there's loss of heterozygosity in genes that are present in chromosomes 13 and 14. So the loss of chromosome 14 and 13 that others were seeing were actually surrogate indicators of, of um, loss of heterozygosity for a tumor suppressor. But, you know, as, 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 as you saw, our study didn't show that.
1: Yeah. So so you were you were trying to see by using DNA uh, and and RNA seq, uh, trying to see do I have a driver mutation or being mesenchymal? Do I have a fusion that is going to unify those and then we that will bring you know more credence to the fact that they are a unique uh, entities, starting in special cells in the prostatic trauma. So, so uh, I know the cohort is multi-institutional and uh, we mentioned uh, Jesse from Cleveland, Jennifer Gorteski. I don't know if that was the time she was here or uh, at Vanderbilt. So it sounds like uh, you collected from uh, several institutions around 25 uh, cases. So were these uh, centrally reviewed being, uh, you know, variable uh, cases?
0: Yes, we did. Um, so they were initially reviewed by the by the submitting pathologist, and then we re-reviewed them here with Dr. Fletcher, who gets a fair amount of these cases as well. Mm-hmm. So he contributed to the series as well. And you know, they they were. Um, Pretty heterogeneous, as expected, but they were uh, they fall within the spectrum of what has has been uh, already described for these tumors, both both for stromal tumors of uncertain malignant potential and for prosthetic stromal cells. But yes, we we did centrally review all of them and we um, centrally reviewed the IHC whenever that was available.
1: And uh, so tell us a little bit briefly about what uh, methodologies, techniques you use. You already touched, but uh, just a little bit more.
0: Sure. So we basically on on uh, formally fixed paraffin embedded material. We um, we extracted uh, nucleic acids from there to do uh, sequencing on two clinically validated platforms that we commonly used for our studies. One is our our uh, focus panel, like our DNA panel here, which is Onco Panel here at Brigham and Women's. And um, Brendan Dixon did the RNA sequencing uh, in Canada again of of um, ffb material so we did in parallel both um dna and rna sequencing and for fusions that we weren't sure whether they were were meaningful or not because they could be um stochastic based on the criteria we use we try to confirm or exclude them using fish on
1: selected cases excellent so DNA, next generation sequencing, DNA uh, sequencing. And that's for the panel. The panel includes 447 genes, your your panel there, and RNA-seq and fish. And uh, so what were the findings?
0: So what we found was uh, pretty surprising even to us uh, initially because, um, first of all, we found that a subset of these tumors that is not uh, negligible has um, fusions that are known drivers, right? Uh, in the, in not only in tumors that had been called stromal sarcomas, but also in tumors that had been uh, called stromal tumors of a certain potential. So within the stromal sarcomas, we, we found fusions that you, you find in, so, in a solitary fibrous tumor. We, we found a NAP2-STAT6 fusion. We found the B-Core Mammal 3 fusion that you usually found in uh, sm- small round blue cell tumors that are very primitive looking and have been uh, described before. And uh, we also f- found the uh, TPM3 and fusion. Those were all present in, in uh, sarcomas and they are all very well known driver fusions. And in one of the uh, stromal, stromal tumors of uncertain malignant potential, we found a, JAS, um, a JAS-SUS-12 fusion, which is the one that you usually find in uh, low-grade endometrial stromal sarcomas, and they have also been demonstrated in, in, um, in endometrial stromal nodules. So those were the ones that we could uh, assign a definite driver role, but we also found a uh, Loss of function uh, fusions, for example, two fusions of TP53 that involve exon one of the gene, and those are well described in the literature as um, disrupting basically the sequence of the gene and therefore inactivating the gene. So, and also, we, we also found a PALB-2 fusion, and, uh, but we also found that 60% of these tumors have uh, pathogenic SMBs, um, and, and, and some of them are, are very, most of them were very well described. For example, we found that six cases um, had uh, TP53 SNVs that were pathogenic, and uh, five of them had proof of biallelic inactivation of the gene. Um, and and you know it looks like these tumors have very uh, disparate drivers. Like we found all sorts of things. We found a tumor, for example, that had biallelic P10 inactivation. We found tumors with biallelic Check2 inactivation, and um, we uh, we found tumors with biallelic ATRX inactivation. So it looks like these tumors are molecularly very heterogeneous. And there are many molecular pathways that can be driving these tumors so um that was I would say the main finding of, and would, of our side.
1: to clarify to our audience i mean because the you would like if if let's say stump is is a we're, we're getting it right based on morphology, despite the fact that we allow for, for types of, of morphologic uh, appearances. But if it's really an entity, you would like to have some recurrence of the driving uh, under molecular underpinning. So you would like to have a high percentage of, let's say, one fusion uh, or high percentage of a specific SNV. And what, what you guys realize is neither in stump nor in, in the sarcoma part uh, you're not seeing this recurrence of of the molecular alteration which will point more are we just putting these things together and they're really different biologic entities and i think what's also intriguing is is made things even more uh, more uh, interesting is you're finding fusions that you usually find in stromal sarcoma of uh, of the endometrium or uh, like you said in sft which is part of the differential sometimes and we can always do stat six and and i'm sure uh, this was done here and this was not obvious uh, sft but uh, it was placed under stump correct
0: Well, yeah, I mean mean, that case, um, so this series includes cases from the early 2000s. This was one of them. At that time, we didn't have the STAT6 antibody. So we did it after we got the sequencing, and, you know, these are sections. These are not blocks that were cut for the study. Many of these cases are just sections from the mm-hmm. files, uh, FFP sections. So uh, IHC did not work well. I mean, if you um, – the, the pattern that we got for STAT-6 on that case would not have been diagnostic, mm-hmm. but I guess that's mostly – due to the fact that the sections were like 13 years old or 14 years old
1: when we did this. And what is to the point that we ended up calling prostatic stromal tumor because we couldn't prove that it's something else. So there is that element as long as fit in one of those four patterns. So, so yes, so that's, that were the major findings. And I know uh, including myself, you know, I've been diagnosing these tumors, and uh, and the question now clearly not everybody immediately and is gonna. By that and uh or give up on on the entity i should say and clearly some of the authors who did the original uh work dr pan and dr epstein we had uh, some correspondence back and forth and uh not surprisingly which is which uh which is what we want to see right uh, a, a discussion uh about about do we change gears here and start not calling this an entity? So what's your feeling at this point? I know you still feel that this is worth revisiting, but uh, tell me what you think is the next step. And how are we going to diagnose this tumor? Do we need to do molecular from now on on everyone And
0: yeah, I, so I think there's not enough evidence to say that this is a unified biological entity. Um, as I said in my correspondence to Dr. Pan and Dr. Epstein, you know, this, this chromosomal alteration, it's true that they are highly recurrent in these tumors, but they are very nonspecific. And in the context of these tumors being so different morphologically and in the context of not having a real marker for, for them, to me, that suggests that it's, you know, they, they are not until proven otherwise. They are most likely not a unified entity, and that's sort of what our what our study showed. Um, I think a fair um, a fair midway between um, their claims and our claims would be to call them, you know, mesenchymal tumor of uncertain malignant potential instead of stump. And, uh, you know, you can say unclassified sarcoma instead of prosthetic stromal sarcomas. I think that's mostly a disquisition that us pathologists may, you know, to, uh, deal with, but uh, probably for treatment purposes, I don't know if it's so important, but with regards to your question of whether we should be doing molecular or not on these tumors, I think that's that's a very important point. Um, and, and our study highlights that, I think, because... Many of these tumors have, like the TPM, TPM3 uh, ntrk one rearranged tumor, can have um, a targeted therapy. Correct. Uh, you know uh, as an option uh, as an option uh, especially for these tumors that are so rare that there's no standardized therapy so I think um, you know sequencing or molecular can definitely help the other way in you know I, I think that molecular might be helpful is because many of these tumors we had a case that was initially classified as a stump and we um, we received a, a metastasis afterwards, right? Wow. And the it it was you know conclusively a stump on the first specimen. But the tumor when we did molecular had P fifty three loss, right? So I think if we if we have a tumor that we sequence and has P fifty three loss or biolytic loss or inactivation of P fifty three, I think we would be very reluctant to call it, you know, of Unflirted uncertainty. Exactly. Hypothesis. So I think in in, in that regard and, and you know if if um, in in our case, several of the stumps had, or tumors that were originally called stumps had, biallelic TP53 TP53 mutations, which, you know, I think it's probably biologically not compatible with an entity that you would call of uncertain malignant potential. So uh, I that's, think there's...
1: that's very helpful. And 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 I. I, I I like that way of uh, that approach and and to to start doing more molecular on these uh, on a day to day basis and uh, hopefully that even guide us in the diagnosis potentially like you said because of course the counter argument that these are stumps and the one that metastasized that we didn't detect the sarcoma part we didn't sample because. We mentioned that they can be synchronously coexisting, but, uh, but uh, I agree if it's maybe, maybe the molecular give us a one more tool. First, we're starting doing more on these and and we can understand it more as an entity or not. Uh, and, and more importantly is to, to drive management, like you said, the presence of NTRK and and others, so well uh, very very interesting uh, study and I'm sure uh, more to come and learn about this entity Uh, I thank you Andy for uh, for accepting the invitation and uh, look forward to more contributions to modern pathology and uh, to our podcast
0: thank you very much thanks